Have you ever heard the expression, it may seem like Friday night, but Sunday's on the way? Today I want to talk to you about what it means to live in Friday, or to live after or in light of Sunday. But first, let's go to the text. This is from John 20. Now, some of you may notice that it says John 20, but when I sent the thing out, it said John 20-ish. So it's going to be around that. It's not going to be all of it. But here we go. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb, and they were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and then saw the linen wrappings lying there. He didn't go in, and then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple, who reached the term first, also went in, and he saw and believed. Then later, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in and saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other sitting at the foot, the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken my Lord away, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener and said, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and then I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus replied. She turned and saw him and cried out, Rabbi. Mary Magdalene later found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord, and then she gave them his message. This is the text for today, though, this 19 to 22. That Sunday evening, so now not only is it not morning, and they've received many, many reports, they're also now in the evening. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there amongst them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke... He showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they were filled with joy. And when they saw the Lord, he again said, Peace be with you. And as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Remember, they've now had multiple reports. Jesus is risen. People have said so. But not just people. People they've trusted. People in the room, Peter and John, And still, the door's locked. They're afraid. They're huddled. It doesn't seem to matter how reliable the witness is. They are living as though death, the death of their Lord, death in general, still has the last word. That the human kingdom still reign, and that death still has that last word. That's how human kingdoms reign, by the way, isn't it? That they... they, keep people down and they use death and intimidation 
Have you ever been afraid to live what you believe? What about talking about what you believe? Anybody afraid of that? What about sharing it with someone who doesn't believe? That's even harder, isn't it? It's one thing to share in the church, but how about outside the church? What if they hurt me? What if they don't like me? What if they don't listen to me? Jesus said this, I have come that you may have life, and life abundantly, eternal life, life unextinguishable, life pressed down and full in the cup and overflowing. This is a life fit for the kingdom, a life ready for the kingdom of God. His kingdom, He's coming. He tells Pilate that his kingdom isn't like other kingdoms and Pilate and that Pilate would also have no power over him if God hadn't allowed it. There's this Old Testament vision where these two items, a kingdom unlike any other and that a king with power only because God allowed it has happened and it brings to bear here, this is from Daniel chapter 2 to Nebuchadnezzar, a king given great power and a dream night after night he was terrified and he used his power this way just like everybody does tell me the dream and interpret it because I don't want you to just use my dream against me but he does this so Daniel does this this is human kingdoms okay here we are Daniel chapter 2 you O king saw and beheld a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of clay and iron, broke them in pieces, Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Last time I checked, all the parts of the statue, those things, gold, silver, They don't just happen into those shapes. They come in those shapes. They have to be shaped by human hands. That's why it's so big, such a big deal that the stone was not shaped by human hands. It's a different kind of kingdom. Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar this. He says, you, you, O king, are the, are the head of gold. Now there's some debate about who the silver is below. Is it the Medes or the Medes and the Persians? That's the one I go with. And then the bronze would be the Greeks, and then the Romans are the iron below. And just right at that time, a kingdom unlike any other is going to strike the feet right at the end of it, right where it's all planted, right at the foundations. And in time, that, that striking blow is not only going to obliterate those kingdoms, but there's not going to even be a trace of them. This is how it goes. This is why we're talking about this on Easter. Because Jesus 
the crucifixion of Jesus, Good Friday, is the first blow of, of the old kingdoms against the new one, and the new one is going to win. They are made by human effort. How do humans maintain power? They bully, they intimidate, they conquer, they quell. All of that is like the children's game of King of the Hill. Of course, we don't do it exactly like that. We do it a little more subtly nowadays. Today, it's you pay your taxes or we'll sick the IRS on you. But still, that's king of the hill. It's keeping us in line, and we know that. But there's one that's coming, one not made or maintained by human hands, one that which will not end, one that is so different that it will not keep people under its thumb in that same way. It might as well have said in that little statement there, not made with human hands on earth as it is in heaven, that God would be in charge of this in this way. But back to our disciples, this is verse 19 again. Let me read this again just so that you know this. That Sunday evening, this is after the resurrection, after Jesus has been appearing, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. Let me go down here just a little bit. On eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them, and the doors are locked. They are living intimidated by human kingdoms. In no way are they living as though they're in the kingdom of God at this time. It was not so long ago that their king, their leader, was dressed in purple, had a crown of thorns placed on his head, sat on the throne of judgment seat, and was hailed as king, all mockingly, of course, by the Romans. But it's a very human thing. You know, no other political prisoners got treated this way even when they were revolutionaries nobody gave them a crown and mocked them and put them in silver and said behold your king and certainly the governor of the territory didn't set them on his judgment seat proclaiming him a king in a different way there is no way it says so much about our world that even mockingly we can crown a king but remember, he's a king of a different kind of kingdom, and his crowning, his coronation must be different. But let's get back to this story a little bit. You've got the disciples behind locked doors. Just remember in your own life that no amount of reliable testimony will call you, call, cause you to live in his kingdom or to live by his kingdom life. You must meet him understand that he has risen and that his tomb is empty not because grave robbers but because God is alive he is alive and death has not the last word anymore that the word the last word in our life is now life not a tomb 
He has given us a life that cannot be so easily extinguished because His was not so easily extinguished. It is a life of peace and that of a life of joy, a new kind of life, a new kind of kingdom, not fashioned by us, not with our own hands, but fashioned by God for us, welcomed in. And you must meet this Jesus in this way in order to know who He is and to live by this life. This, this life is given to us by God who saves us, who until that moment had not shown us that tombs have ex- exits, only entrances. This is why I say today that death does not have the last word because we have lived our lives and human kingdoms have lived in a way that tells us that the worst they can do is to kill us and that will end us and that tombs then only have entrances. But Jesus says says this is wrong in his life. The tombs now have exits. It changes everything. And not just our future, it should change our now. It might seem like Friday night, but Sunday has already come and is here. It is our now. Tombs have exits. Death does not have the last word. Jesus, God does. Now. In light of that, don't live behind locked doors anymore, but go and live. Go and live. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love, the way you take care of us. We thank you for for giving us life, for pouring yourself into us that we might have a life that is different from what we had before in a country, in a world that is different on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.